installations is a very, very important part of the business because that's the day when the machine arrives. It's like opening your birthday present. You can be very easily disappointed, <laughs> particularly if Granny's knitted you a lovely jumper, you know. It's very important that, that everything is done. Welcome to the MTD Podcast. I'm Giovanni Albanese hosting today's show, a passionate engineer and a very proud member of the MTD team. If you've been listening to the MTD CNC podcast recently, you will know that we've embarked on a podcast journey with DMG Mori. They have kindly opened their doors to us and we can explore all aspects and operations of the business. And we find out what makes this such a successful business. Today, we are looking at installations of a CNC machine tool, the DMG Mori Way. It's a privilege to be back at the UK headquarters of DMG Mori, based in Coventry, a billion pound global organization and world leading supplier of machine tools, automation and technology. I have the pleasure to be joined by two special guests. Firstly, a very well-known name within the industry, an, amb an ambassador for engineering, an industry leader and managing director of DMG Mori UK, Steve Finn. Good morning, Gio. Nice <laughs> uh, to be here again. Thanks for having me back, Steve. Um, and have you been enjoying the weather? Oh, fantastic. It's really nice. It, and, and, you know, we've got some rain coming tomorrow, but nobody nobody cares when the sun's shining, <laughs> do they? <laughs> oh, it's been, it's been lovely. And thank you very much for, for having me back, Steve. Really looking forward to, to yet another podcast. We also have the pleasure to be joined by Martin Woodbridge, Installations Manager at DMG Mori with a wealth of machine tool experience and engineering experience. Great to meet you, Martin. Yeah, good morning, Gio. Uh, uh, glad to see you and hopefully we'll uh, put, a, put together a good pod podcast for you. Well, really looking to find out about everything that, that the installations at DMG Mori entail. Uh, but before we get into to this podcast, can you just tell our audience a little bit about you um, and about your experience in engineering, your journey and how you got into engineering? Please. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I left school at the grand old age of 16, uh, took on an engineering apprenticeship with GKN, uh, probably of the generation where we, we truly had the, the five-year apprenticeship, which taught you everything you needed to know for a basic grounding in, in engineering. So I worked in the maintenance department after that, and then, like everyone, saw the glamour of being a service engineer, uh, wanted the nice car, wanted the nice toolbox, and wanted to travel around the, the UK. So I set myself off on a journey uh, as a service engineer, and then progressed through various companies to joining DMG in its original format down in uh, Luton back in 2001. Um, as a service manager, uh, and then progress through the ranks, and now look after the installation department. Yeah. It's 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 fascinating how many people start on the shop floor and do an apprentice apprenticeship. You know, cutting metal on on manual machines. Steve, you've worked your way through the ranks at, yes. at DMG Mori. Have you ever had any experience in installations yourself? Um, yes, when I was um, working under the Itachi Siki banner, we had the brother agency. Um, and I used to um, sell the brother in the showroom, um, uh, demonstrate it, then go out and install it, uh, and then train on it. Um, and it's, it was relatively straightforward three-axis machine then. I know the brothers are more complex now, but and that was fairly fairly easy. You you, you get on a, 
a, a car or a plane or wherever you go with a small toolbox. But yeah, I had a, I've had a little bit of scrabbling around on my knees. And, you know, some of this bigger stuff is not easy. It's not easy, you know, to the geometrics that you've got to get to for some of the big uh, multi-axis machines. Uh, you've got to really got some thinking to do there. Machine tools have certainly evolved over the years. I think 1982, I believe, Steve, you, you started uh, your journey at DMG Mori. Yes, yes, in 1982 and uh, seen quite a bit since then. Uh, and installations is, is a very, very important part of the business because that's the day when the machine arrives and, you know, it's like opening your birthday present. You know, you can be very easily disappointed, <laughs> particularly if Granny's knitted you a lovely jumper, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's very important that, that everything is done. And it, it looks, well, you know, just deliver the machine. It's not that straightforward, particularly when you're doing volume of it as well. And Martin will go through that through this podcast to let the customers understand how we do it. We're not sitting there saying, hey, guys, this is really difficult for us. What we're saying is, everyone gets an appreciation of what we're doing and if the customer gets a better understanding you know he can plan better and and his expectations will be will be met no it's looking really looking forward to this and it's certainly highlighted a lot of things actually that i didn't realize needed to be um attended to now martin talk us through um installations what does it entail and i know you know from my own experience that you know, you just expect a machine tool to turn up and, and, and get plonked onto the shop floor. It's yeah. not as simple as that, is it? No, no. Um, it, it can be at times, but in general, what you're taking is it's the next link in the chain after the salesman has ag agreed the project with that customer. Whatever they're committed to, we have to deliver that. And it's, it's making the expectations of the customer, um, meeting those expectations of what he's been promised what, what we can deliver and trying to exceed them in many cases. You, you've taken a, a fundamental project that may comprise of multiple different items coming from various different sources, bringing it all together to make it arrive seamlessly at the customer, be installed, set up, have the training carried out and then pass them into producing parts as quickly as possible. At the end of the day, that's what they're buying the machine tool for, is to make parts and make themselves um, a nice, tidy profit if they can. Okay, so what kind of problems and, and, and do you get along the way? And, and how do you solve them problems, Steve? Um, they come in many shapes and sizes, just like our customers do. And the point is that Martin's got a team that, that work. Martin does a lot of the pre-planning, which he'll talk about in a minute. And then there's someone who's doing the immediate work, so someone who's working on the ground, making sure that the organisation is running smoothly. Because customers will have last-minute requests, and that's fine. That's how we've got to deal with it. Um, so problems are... Problems really only arise if you haven't planned it correctly. So the trick here is is planning. Planning to look at all the risks and make sure that, you know, we're, we're delivering big, heavy lumps of, of uh, material here and making sure that everything's done safely, uh, on time, with the right equipment and the right people as well. So it's about planning, really. And, and planning, I mean, you, you plan to succeed, I suppose, and, and, and exceed the customer's expectations. Yeah. So I'm Mr. End User. I've just ordered a brand new machine tool. Talk us through from placing the order to the machine tool landing in my machine shop, yeah. um, you know, from the logistics onwards. The, one of the first things we do is 
regularly on a weekly basis we have a internal department meeting that brings all the different departments together service applications sales installations all come together to review what orders we've taken what the specification of the machine is what do we need to cost for what is the expectation what uk options do we need to buy is there anything weird or wonderful about this particular specification that might cause us an issue i.e there's an option on there software option that we've not used before so do we need to make sure we've got the application guys trained so they can then train the customer in using that software option so the the whole purpose of that meeting is to identify what we really have have to deliver and then from that start the planning process obviously some of our machines are built to order so the vast majority of those will be coming direct from one of our factories either in europe or from japan so you've got the logistics then of communicating to the customer when his machine's going to arrive, what he needs to prepare for, what he needs to plan for in the way of foundations, electrical supply, air supply, uh, various different aspects that the, are the customer's responsibility, and communicate all that at an early stage. So they've really got a good sense of what they need to plan for when the machine actually arrives on site and turns up on the doorstep. So it's safe to say it's not, not going to just land and, and, and no. press the button and yeah. press go. Everybody <laughs> thinks this machine will just magically appear out of nowhere. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot involved. Um, we have to have a, a trusted and proven set of uh, contractors that we use for machine logistics. A lot of people think, well, it's easy. You're just going to turn up, pick up a machine up from the docks, take it straight to a customer, put it in, into his building. Uh, some of those machines could come in several different packing cases and those packing cases need to be opened, dismantled and then disposed of afterwards. One of the few things people never consider is all the, all the wooden bases or the metal boxes that the machine turn, in, turn up in have to be disposed of and we take that headache away from a customer. You know, if you can imagine a, a large machine coming on a six metre bed um, by four metres wide on a wooden base that can be sometimes one and a half tons worth of wood. How do you dispose of that? For a customer, that's logistically a nightmare. So we take that hassle away right at the early stage. We're doing the whole turnkey. We turn up, we deliver the machine and take away every, every aspect of the rubbish. Yeah, and I think that this is so um, important to the end user because I, s I assume, you know, once the logistics um, has been sorted and, and that is a variable that could affect the lead times but once that machine tool lands then at Mr End Users um, they really want to get that machine tool making money yeah. um, and you're doing everything in your power um, to make that happen in the most efficient manner without giving them any headaches. Yeah I mean that's that's the key for them is when's it going to cut metal yeah. You know, if we got if we got paid a pound for every time we've been asked that question, as soon as the machine's just walked mm -hmm. through the door, how quick how quick can it be turned around and how quick can it be producing metal? So that's really where the planning aspect comes into it and communicating with the customer because they'll have a drop down dead date where they say, right, I need it producing parts. They may have taken on a contract in the background that we're not aware of that means that they've got to start producing on a given day. So we have to align our ex our expectation with their expectation to make it smooth. Is it correct to assume that if they were ordering a small machine or a very large multi-million pound machine project, um, that, 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 that it's going to go it's going to be more simpler one way or the other? To be honest, we treat everybody the same. It doesn't matter whether you're doing one of our new entry-level M1 basic standard three-axis machines or a 
you know, a two million pound five axis machine that's in excess of a hundred ton. The planning and the, the communication aspect is exactly the same. It goes through the same process. For sure, some projects will be more complex than others, but the vast majority, we follow the same process, the same due diligence, the same uh, transport company will be arriving to deliver the machine. So that way we get consistency across the board. And you've got experience globally in doing this, Steve. Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we deliver from the factory to a point and then we pick up from there. But of course, you know, so is everybody else in the world. Um, they, they're going to various ports, whether it's America or, or traveling within Europe or coming in from Japan. So there's a lot of background support as well. So, you know, Martin's pretty self-sufficient and uh, knows what to do. But recently we've had to call on the export department for advice on taking the machine out. Funny enough, we sent a machine to Italy uh, from the UK. So we had to go to the export department and say, right, what do we need? Where's the, where the, what documentations? You know, what levels of transport? Uh, when can we travel? Because the interesting thing is travelling at the weekend is in Europe is a bit of a no-no. You know, so you can't just say, oh, we'll just bring the machine over on a Saturday or Sunday. No lorries allowed on Sundays in Germany, is yeah. it? From yeah. Saturday lunchtime, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, France is the same. You know, no lorries allowed from, from lunchtime onwards. So then do you travel overnight? What are the implications of travelling overnight? It's quite a logistical job to do. But we can call on various people within the factory if we need, if we need support. I mean, the logistics is something that, you know, is, is absolutely massive when you're selling the volumes that you guys are selling, not just in the UK, but um, around the world. Um, so the machine lands at, at, at the client's facility. What are the next steps, Martin? You know, how do you make sure or ensure that that machine tool is running as, as quickly as possible? We'll coordinate with our transport suppliers. We've got three main transport suppliers that are tried and trusted in the UK. We've built up a, a long-standing relationship with them. Um, so they understand our project pro products. They understand the logistics of what's required to lift that machine, to skate that machine, to move it into position, to bolt it down to the floor if it requires it. So they'll generally be arranged to meet the truck from the factory at a specific time, at a specific location at the customer, um, to offload the machine, unpack it, move it into position. If it needs to be bolted down, bolt the machine down, lay all the peripheral equipment out ready, um, get everything laid out the, the way the, the, the machine's supposed to be, wipe it down, clear all any, any handprints, things like that off it, rough level the machine if required, and then really step back, take away all the rubbish and, and all the... Uh, the packing cases that came with the machine. And then it's really the installation team coordinating a, an installation engineer to come in to start the installation of that, that machine at the customer's site and commission it for him. Before we, before we get to installation and commissioning, um, you obviously deal with a lot of third-party suppliers for the work holding and, 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 and some kind of automation um, if you don't supply the automation yourselves. Um, how do you, Can that be a problem? How do you liaise all of that and how um, do you kind of organise that? Generally, it's not a problem for us because, we, again, we, we go through a programme of vetting our suppliers we try to use the suppliers that we've got familiarity with that understand our products, understand the quality of what we want to deliver and align themselves to our expectations. Um, I, th I think it can be very underestimated what a good supplier can do for you. 
you know, a good supplier can make your, your job so much easier. And they have to be responsive to our needs. At the end of the day, we're their customer. customer. So they have to respond at, sometimes at short notice. There's a delay. You know, the port got blocked. And, it, it, you know, we had a case recently in uh, May where the, the high winds that we had towards the back end of the month caused havoc down in Southampton. And they shut the port for two days. And we got four machines on a boat sat in the port that we couldn't get. We were supposed to pick them up on the Friday. We ended up having to pick them up on the, uh, the, the bank after the, after, on the Monday. So all that logistic planning has to be and then be adjusted to suit. So you've got to have suppliers that will adjust their planning to suit your requirements. And we've, we're very lucky. We've got a good good team of suppliers that we can call upon. Brilliant. Yeah. Very large. Very large. Yeah. And, of course, we've got a situation where our order book is going out to the end of the year and beyond now because some deliveries are six to eight months. So there's a schedule that, that Martin could be talking, right, you're scheduled in for this, this and this. And then, of course, what you then get is you get feeding in of the, the urgent orders that where you, maybe you've got delivery from the UK or delivery from European stock and those kind of things. But, you know, you talked earlier about just what makes the difference, and it's a lot of small things that make the difference. For example, our insurance goes all the way through right to when we position the machine in the customer's premises. Now, that sounds quite normal, but actually a lot of our competitors, I know, actually when the insurance stops is when daylight comes between the machine and the lorry base. So in other words, the minute they start lifting... And there's, there's a gap, there's an air gap, the insurance is now with the customer. And what if you drop it? What if you drop it? What if the customer didn't get his insurance? What if he does have to get insurance? How does he do it? Where does he go to? It's not every day he buys a machine. So it's those little things to make it smooth all the way through. We're responsible. We take full responsibility. So, Steve, you're giving them peace of mind. You're giving your yeah, clients yeah, yeah. peace of mind. You're, yeah. you're kind of... You're, interest it's a massive investment for especially for, yes. you know as a small end user you know it could be make or break for them and you're giving them that confidence and peace of mind that nothing's going to go wrong even for a big user you know even for a company that's a big company they will be responsible locally uh, and if they don't fulfill their obligations to their group you know they'll find that that work is taken out of their hands and put somewhere else in the world and they don't want that and we certainly don't want that because that's not good for British manufacturing. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's peace of mind and making sure the job's done professionally. I think we've already highlighted, even before we get to the commissioning of the machine tool, you know, the ins and outs and, and the massive logistical uh, projects that you, you have to undergo here at DMG Mori to, to ensure that the machine tools um, arrive on time, safely, um, and, and uh, you know, making sure that the health and safety aspects are also met. That's, that's really Steve, you know, yeah. communication, is that the key? Communication is the key in any, any line of business. It's got, but in here, it's got to be clear. It's got to be concise, which Martin is. He's very, very clear. It's documented very easily, very well. Um, and we do our own documentation. And again, I've seen it where um, competitors that are doing not the same level of business that we are, that don't have the level of experience, they say, well, it's in the manual. Well, the manual's still in the box. Where do I get that from? You know, it's amazing. It really <laughs> is. It amazes me. So, but again, what Martin said, a customer comes to DMG Mori to purchase a machine because of their, for various reasons, but of course their expectations will be high. So we've got to meet them. 
We've got to have that responsibility. Uh, and we can do that. We can do it very, very well. And it's great to, to learn all about this myself. It's, it's quite interesting. And now, now we get to the stage of, of commissioning uh, the machine tool, um, Martin. It's no good that, that the machine tool's landed, at, but they can't use it, you know. Yeah. So take us through the commissioning process and, and take us through that process, whether it be a standard three-axis machine tool or a, a multitasking uh machine tool yeah the, the process is pretty much the same the basic fundamental runs through the company we have a, a core of 32 field-based service engineers in the uk all of them are factory trained all of them have experience in different levels of different types of machinery so with those guys they're the guys that go go to the customer and install the machine um they'll pick up the machine in general the customer is responsible for putting all the services to it so that's one thing that we're quite keen on getting done. What do you mean by services? Electrical Martin? power, uh, air supply, network cables, um, things like that. So it's making sure the customer's got that in place when the engineer turns up. Um, the amount of times that people say, okay, the engineer turns up and we're still waiting for the power to, to, to be connected and the customer's only just starting to put the cable through his factory. We try to anticipate that and plan for that in the beginning with the customer. So he's got all the power connected. So the engineer will turn up. He's then got to assemble the machine, get all the alignments correct, get the levels correct, check through the geometry, document all that. We have a, a very clear installation protocol that's attached to his digital service report that goes through all the different aspects of what he's got to do, even down to checking the, the paintwork, checking the, for any marks or damages that may have occurred during transit. They shouldn't do, but occasionally something will happen um, through circumstances that are beyond our own control, but it's how you react to those. So it's making sure every detail of that machine installation is absolutely to the letter of the law, correct, and to the manufacturer's recommendations. Once that's done, then there'll be a handover to the application team. The application team will then pick up the machine and start going through the operator training with the customer. So how long from the machine tool landing, from it being commissioned, to it actually cutting metal? Because obviously the client has purchased that machine tool to make certain components. Yeah. You know, on, on average, how, how long does it take? For most it? of the basic machines, uh, you're probably looking at two to three days for the installation, um, then the operator training. So the operator training can depend on, some days, it, sometimes it can be just one day, if it's just a refresher course and the customer's already got five of those machines, through to a full five-day or 10-day training course depending on his level of experience. And does that come with the purchase? Yeah, all that's negotiated as part of the machine sale. So we, we, you know, the salesman will look at what that customer's requirement actually is. Sometimes there'll be a full turnkey project, which then means you're committed to cutting a certain part within a certain time frame. So the project can be quite variable. But in general, most machines, within one to two weeks, they're up and running, they're, they're cutting metal and producing parts. Obviously, there's, there's some, pro some machines in our range that can take three to four weeks to install, you know, some of the b very big machines, because it's an actual assembly job of the machine tool on site. Um, but the vast majority are standalone, 
straightforward installation. It sounds to me like there's a, there's a lot of skill um, and and experience that goes into uh, installations of of yeah. machine tools. It's not something that you could take easy uh, take upon easily. Um, Steve, can can you kind of tell our audience really what sets you guys apart? You know what makes you guys so special in, in this arena? Well, being part of the um, being part of the company, being part of DMG Murray, we have a lot of support in the background and the, the dialogue is very, very open. So if we want particular information about anything, anything to do with the product, we can get it. Um, and we can also get the right level of support through it. So when it comes to factory training, the engineers, which Martin referred to earlier, that's, that's really useful because they can go anywhere within the factory. You know, I've been over uh, to the factories and been into the, the R&D, which is highly secretive, obviously, but I'm part of the company. So they trust us and, and they work with us. Um, and there's a big difference. And I know that Martin and both myself have worked in, in uh, dealership uh, applications and you cannot get that level of information. Wow. So how can, if I can't get it, how can I pass it down, down the line? So the service guys have got to get it. Good training, good quality training, longevity of service, good hand-picked quality engineers that know what they're doing. I think this further emphasises the, the skills level at DMG Mori, and you mentioned there, Steve, longevity, and, and you've got some staff here that I've already met, had the pleasure to meet, that have got you know long-lasting um, uh, well, they've been working at the company for a very long, long time, time now, yeah. um, and and that's so good to see. Um, and and obviously, you're now passing that experience on and expertise to the younger generation. Um, how how are you finding that, Martin? Um, it's a challenge. It's it's a challenge finding people with the right attitude to begin with. Um, we're fortunate. We've got some very young engineers that have joined us in the last couple of years, and. Their attitude is excellent. That, to me, is the fundamental. Uh, it's the wanting and the willingness to learn, the, one, the wanting to go out there and represent DMG Mori to the best of their ability. That sometimes can be better than having an out-and-out -out technical expert that is phenomenally technically brilliant, but politically can have a few issues. Um, you can train them technically, but you can't train them the attitude. So for me, it's it's fundamentally their attitude. We've got we're we're very fortunate. Yeah, and, and I, you know, as we said in the previous podcast, with all of the departments, everywhere we we are very keen to organically grow our own people. You know, whether that be in accounts or engineering, or service or sales. You know, that's a very big part of our business here. That we we grow these people through and develop them into what is the DMG Murray way. Absolutely, and I, and I think that you know installations in the DMG Mori way. I've I've certainly learnt a lot tonight today. I, I'm sure that our audience have, have learnt a lot, and and really what it actually entails to get that machine tool on the shop floor in the most efficient way, and to to meet your clients' um, expectations. Martin, any kind of last words really about the installations, and any kind of points that you'd like to raise um, in this podcast. I think, you know, for me, a customer coming to DMG Mori has to be safe in the knowledge that he's dealing with experts. You know, there, there is no risk for him from that point of view. Um, you know, he's not going to get a machine put on his shop floor that nobody knows anything about that will never be able to service it and support it going forward. You know, that's where we 
really come into our own. You know, we continue, we're still continuing to support products that have been installed for 30 years plus. Um, it becomes a challenge at times because of uh, particularly suppliers that, that no longer uh, produce parts for those machines. But fundamentally, we can still support our product range even when it's gone past its its sell-by date, really, and needs to be replaced. And I think that's a really good point, really. You, you mentioned there, 30 years plus, you know, you know, kind of legacy machines, if yeah. you like. You're still kind of servicing them. You're still installing them. But also, there's new technology now that's coming out, especially with you guys. You're continuously evolving new machine tools, probably new ways in which you need to install them yeah. too. And that's that, again, is a, Steve, is, is another learning process, isn't it? I oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, every day's a school day. We've said that before <laughs> on these podcasts. Um, and there is, there is the technology that's moving in our company is so fast. Um, and how you utilise some of this digitisation is moving so fast as well. So, you know, Martin said earlier, you know, when we ask the customer for services, which used to be, you know, power and air, it now includes a network cable yeah. because people want to look at the, let's say, the industry 4.0 information system. Uh, and, of course, we've got the net service on there, which is uh, part of the installation as well that, that Martin will be involved with. So, you know, yes, we, we, we have to keep up with it. And us olders do struggle sometimes, you know. <laughs> Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's really been fully enjoyable, this this podcast. I've got one qu final question, really, just through my own curiosity. Um, for third-party equipment such as rotary tables, bar feeders, you know, do you think that there'll come a stage where it will be a Bluetooth interface? Is that a possibility? I don't know because um, the last I heard, and I, Martin might correct me on this because I'm not a big technology buff on that side of it, but um, the last I heard that wireless systems were not 100% reliable in a machine shop environment. I don't know if that is still the case. Yeah, Martin, I, I, th I think it will, it will reach that point at some point, whether it's Bluetooth or whether it's wireless, that's to be determined. But... I think there's an inherent risk that's involved in that side. So for, certainly from a safety point of view and from safety standards, it's making sure if you go back in time, all emergency stop circuits could never be run through, safe, through software, through software devices. They all had to be hardware. That's changed. You know, with some of the safety integrated circuitry now, you can condense your emergency stop circuit down to a few basic functions. And it, and it can incorporate elements of software. So I think in time it will change. I think it will come. Um, you are starting to see it, certainly yeah. with the, the probing systems and that side of things. The days of having anything wired nowadays is virtually non-existent. Ah. So it will come at some point when it will manifest itself into a fully functioning five-axis machine with everything controlled by Bluetooth or wireless, I'm not sure. But uh, it, it's definitely the, the way the things are going for the future. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Martin, been an absolute pleasure to, to meet you. Excellent. Steve, again, thank you very much for having MTD CNC at your fantastic facility 
in Coventry. Um, I hope the audience, our audience has enjoyed yet another podcast on this podcast journey with DMG Mori. Don't forget to subscribe to the MTD podcast and let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about installations. And if you've got any questions, don't hesitate to contact DMG Mori UK. Um, until next week, the MTD podcast. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.